Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today's topic, we'll be talking about how to use your experience as a DM to enhance your experience as a player when you get a chance to be on the other side of the table. In the studio today, my name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Dog Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Cool idea for a game, but I'm a GM. Do you realize how much power I would have to give up to be an epic level character? So a few weeks ago, we were talking about taking a break as a DM, getting a chance to get out of the chair and do something else. One of the options that we brought up was taking a little time to play, you know, recharge some of your batteries by getting a chance to sit back, relax, not have the pressure of the game on you. And we also got to talking a little bit amongst ourselves afterwards about how the experience that you have as a DM can really help you when you're in the player's seat to enhance not only your role, your enjoyment, but also kind of the collective game group. Um, we have a, a list of different things that we came up with. The first thing that we wanted to talk about uh, is patience and respect. Uh, really, nobody knows how stressful uh, GM's job can be quite like somebody who spends time GMing. So just being able to know that you've got a player there who understands what you're going through, appreciates it and works with you is definitely a boon for a GM, whether new or experienced. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest uh, benefits or uh, perks of being a GM with another GM at the table as a player is you know, being kind of having that support and that respect being given to you, to, which also sets an example for the other players at the table that may not be GMs. You know, whenever I'm a whenever I'm a player at someone else's table, I try to be very respectful. I try to show them the respect that I would expect or hope to receive from other players. I try not to butt in or tell them how to run their game or, you know, or argue about mechanics or rules. You know, uh, I just try to sit back and relax and, and enjoy what they're presenting to me and uh, be supportive in any way I, I can. I think you can also set a good example for the other players, you know, by waiting for the DM to finish their explanation before or description before you start asking questions mm -hmm. to, you know, to be you know patient and respectful of the way things are going, the way that the game is being handled. You know, you are doing it. Other people may look to you for that kind of guideline, whether consciously or subconsciously, and act in a manner similar to the way that you are. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think uh, another nice perk would be, you know, when you're showing that respect at the table, then, like you said, everyone else is going to see that, you know, that what you're doing, they're going to follow your lead, especially if you're the, the typical GM, like of the group, like if you're the one that typically, you know, nine times out of 10, you're the one running the game, they're going to be already tuned into kind of following your lead anyways. Like you're kind of like, not necessarily yep. like the yep. alpha of the group, but like you're kind of like the unspoken kind of like leader. They're used to following you, you know, your paces and your lead and then, you know, the examples that you set. Yeah. So when you have, 
you know, someone else that's up at, you know, up at bat, you know, by you showing them that respect, everyone's going to, you know, also, like you said, whether they realize it or not, follow your lead and show that respect to them and give them the opportunity that they deserve to have for just giving, you know, making the attempt. No, you doesn't even matter if they're horrible or, you know, like they're trying, you know, we support that. And yeah, the other players are going to pick up on subconscious cues even Mm -hmm. that they're used to because they've been studying and interacting with you as your time up there and then hopefully translate that over. Exactly. Uh, every every player starts out as a new player. Every GM starts out as a new GM. That's just how it goes. And you have to look to people who have been doing this longer than you, sort of like as, as a guideline. Like, how do I do this? Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, I have that sort of Jared. What you were talking about, where um, the, your group might sort of look towards you, um, not necessarily look up to you, but sort of look towards you, almost for guidance, whether they do it consciously or subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I run a, or I'm in a, a, a group that was actually put together by uh, someone else, but I was the most experienced player there at the time. And so naturally sort of gravitated towards what I was inclining to do. Uh, then I ran a game for everyone, that sort of thing. So, you know, and all I'm really trying to do is, you know, obviously play and have fun, but it's also interesting as a, a player, like, okay, so this GM who's relatively new is trying to do this thing. Okay. How do I make sure that runs smoothly, but also have fun, you know, while I'm doing that? And that's really sort of what we're focusing on here. Yeah. Um, the uh, and again, it's just patience and respect. If, if they do something that, you know, maybe doesn't seem like they, they say something and like in your head, you think mechanically that shouldn't work like that. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of players out there who are so focused on mechanics that they will just say that. No, that's not how that works. Yeah. You know, and even sometimes I've I've done it accidentally. But the 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 thing you should do is, oh, interesting. It doesn't normally work that way. Is that what I know if that's like different? And so that you approach it from that aspect of, okay, maybe if you're treating your GM with respect, then you are expecting that your GM knows what they're doing. Maybe they're, Fairly new at GMing, so you might have that inclination of, uh, they might need a little guidance. Just expect that they know what they're doing, but if you're confused about something, just ask them, did you change it from the way it normally works? Because you're asking them a question with which with they can think about it before they respond. Mm-hmm. And they're the thing they're going to think about is, oh, it's supposed to work some other way. Maybe I, sh- maybe I forgot how it's supposed to work, and I'm doing that wrong. In which case they can back up or they can say, yeah, this is different. I, I, I didn't think of it before. I know that it's not how it's supposed to work, but this is how I, I want this thing to work. A mm-hmm. uh, really good example, uh, a game I played in a GM ran a game where we collected dragon orbs and they were not the dragon orbs that were, were the artifacts. They were somewhat similar in some instances, but they weren't the same. So the first couple of sessions, I got confused because I thought they would work a certain way. And I had to keep reminding myself, no, she's already said they are different than the actual thing in the book. Uh, And we were sort of collecting them for a specific reason in that game. So that's just one of those things you give. Got to sort of give the GM the benefit of the doubt that they have an idea. And if maybe it's not quite by the book, just sort of present sort of that open question where you're not just saying, okay, you're doing it wrong. Just ask them, oh, is this different? 
And a lot of times that will, that is a great tool for, especially like a new GM or just even a GM who is specifically doing something different. You see a, you know, a, 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 a wolf man essentially walking around, you know, by the book, you might be immediately thinking, well, it's a freaking lycanthrope. There's a werewolf over there, or it could just be a race of wolf men, but the GM hasn't told you yet because it's a new thing. Right. So. Um, you actually did a really good kind of summation there of, of our second point in there, which was the trust relationship. Right. A player. I think, have we talked about trust before in this show ever? <laughs> no. Occasionally. Um, I think once or twice. A player who has spent time as a DM understands how that player DM trust works. And your examples helped, you know, kind of this is ways that you can help build that trust. Um, you know, did you change that from the way it works? It's helping that new DM know that, yeah, it's okay if you change things. Yeah, exactly. And supporting them and like, you know, kind of telling the rest of the players, hey, if he changed something, I'm cool with it. So you should be too. Right. It sends a message to the whole table. To the GM, it says, it's fine if you want to change it. Yep. And to to the players, it says, I'm supporting. Yeah. And to the player says, if the GM wants to change it, that's fine. That's what it is. Um. So the next two also kind of go together. We're going to start with uh, uh, descriptions mm-hmm. as a player. Now, usually as a DM, sometimes getting a good description out of the players can feel like pulling teeth. Yes, it's really can. hard. <laughs> but as a DM, you're spending so much time description or giving descriptions and describing stuff that it's so yeah. much deeper. So theoretically, as a player, you can step up, provide those better descriptions, give it an example to the other players of, Hey, this is the type of stuff we should be doing to help make that game come to life. Yeah. Most players, when you say describe your character, they say, well, I'm a uh, chaotic, good uh, elf cleric. That's not a description of your character. You're Mm -hmm. telling me mechanically what your character is, but you're not describing your character. You know, who are they as a person? Exactly. What do they look like? How do they stand? Uh, what are their goals? Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of those things there. And as a GM, you because you're experiencing all of these players. Uh, I'm I'm a lawful neutral dwarven fighter. All right. Cool. And you're experiencing that you know three or four or five times per table. You know mm-hmm. for a new game, then you should sort of almost know better and be like when I make my description. Mike, I'm going to describe my character in a way that maybe all of the other, maybe newer players are going to go, whoa. I I had a player that they had been playing the same character for a good four to five months. And when they were asked, what color is your character's hair? Took them several minutes to come up with an answer. Yeah. Because in all the time, they had never given enough thought to their character's physical appearance to figure out what hair color they had. Yeah, I mean, I can understand being excited by mechanics. Oh, man, I'm, the game's coming up. I really want to play a necromancer in this game, and they're going to let me play it. So you get into the mechanics. Okay, I'm going to be a wizard. I'm going to do necromancy school. I'm going to get all my stats together. I'm going to do the background that I want to do. And you get really excited about that. But you have to have that point um, where you stop and you pull back and you say, okay, what does my character look like? And what is my character like when people are around them? What do they do? That sort of thing. So being a GM where you have to create interesting NPCs anyway, you know, that's a skill that you can add to that and hopefully pass on other players. Mm-hmm. And you have some players that can't function unless the DM paints them a picture of the situation they're walking into. 
And DM needs to make those descriptions for the players. And when they're sitting there as a player, they should do the same. Yeah, I agree. I'm always trying to get my players to add more description, especially during combat. That's something that I'm looking for. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice being on the other side of the coin and you know, or the other side of the table and, and doing that and, and setting the example. And sometimes, especially if you have a newer DM, you know, when you're switching out the roles, maybe they aren't using as much description as you would expect them to be using as the GM. Yeah. You know? So by you adding a lot more descriptors and description to what you're doing and your actions and your backgrounds and, and just and setting that tone and you know raising the bar a little bit as a player, all of a sudden, trust me, the GMs are going to be like, oh, I got to at least get up to that level, if not yeah. try to exceed it. I mean, I'm the one that's supposed to be doing that. Yeah, it's almost like a soft competition. Yeah. Like, oh, that was really descriptive. Maybe I can start being descriptive mm-hmm. like that, too. Right. Yeah. Like That was that was really good. I should I should be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. When he was running the game, he, we walked into the Ivory City and he gave this great example. You know, I got to I got to try to do something like that. I might not be as good as him, but at least I'm trying to get there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, uh, he's he's given me a good, uh, you know, guideline of, of, you know, how I can improve myself, especially if that's something that you, you know, they like themselves. I really like that, you know, thing that they did. I'm going to try to do that, too. You know, you're just you're, you're raising the bar. You're setting an example. Both for yourself, you know, or for the players and also the GM, you know, again, if they're a newer GM, if they're an old school GM or or someone that's been playing as long as you are is more established in that role, they might have their own style. So maybe they won't necessarily try to match rhythms with you. They know what they like and that's not something that they they go down, which is fine, too. But at least then you're still setting your you know, you're doing what you do. You're setting the tone and hopefully a few at least a few players will follow in your footsteps. Um, and kind of the other side, you know, with the descriptions and talking about that on the fly, uh, story and storylines as a DM, you're used to weaving a bunch of stories and plots together and figuring out what's going on to get into this as a player. You can translate that into your backstory and your character's ongoing story to connect with the world at large, to give the DM a lot of plot hooks and stuff that they can use little open-ended stuff that they can fill in. And it just makes them easier when the players are are setting up, like, backstories, for example, with that in mind, that they want to make stuff specifically for the DM to use. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but because I'm a GM, when I'm creating a new character for a new game, I I like to talk to the to, to the GM about the game, and I, I try to fit everything I can if I have a backstory into the into the game, I want it to be a part of the game. You know, again, it doesn't always work. You know, not every GM is going to go that route. You know, you're not going to worry about that. But, you know, if you can work with your GM and sort of collaborate on some ideas, that can be a really cool thing when it comes to fruition. You know, obviously, you don't want to plan and plot out everything that's going to happen. But, hey, you know, it's it's not a bad idea to go to the GM and say, hey, what are some languages I should know? So my background's like this. Is this going to fit in really well or should I change it a little bit so it fits in better? You know, and those sorts of things can sort of help move the storyline. You might come across a GM who's like, oh, no, that background's fine. Don't worry about it too much. You know, my game's not going to deal with that. But if you are going with a GM who wants to be very background oriented, then they're going to work with you as to how to tie your character into everything that's going on. And I know a couple of times when we talked um, world building and specifically because Vraff used a lot of player input for like locales and stuff. You know, you may go to your to your DM and say, hey, you know, what 
what towns are around, what type of stuff is going yeah. on that I might be involved in. What can I what can I do to help you flesh out what you've got going on? You know, I'm sure that as a DM, you're going to love a player that does something like that. You can also help out uh, again if you have less experienced players in the group. You can go to like one of the less experienced, or maybe even brand new players, and go look. This is what I'm thinking for a background for my character. Would you be willing to incorporate your character's background in with mine and kind of help them flesh out their character by kind of sharing your background oh, a little bit with them? I you love know, we we know each other prior to getting into the game, so then they don't have to worry. Like it, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of them. They're not they're not having to work so hard, especially in the introductory phase when you know players are you know our characters are first coming together. Like maybe this is my twin, you know, like, okay, this person's going to play my twin sister. So we have a very similar background. Like I came up with this concept. They like the concept. They're okay with the storyline. We're just going to add a little bit of, uh, of individual detail for their particular character. But we grew up together, you know, we're um, uh, fraternal twins and, you know, now you've given that player a, a good, strong foundation for them to work from without them having to work as hard to have that foundation. I love right. linked backgrounds yeah. as a DM. Mm -hmm. It helps. It helps enforce the fact that this is a world. Right. And people existed before the game started. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Um, so on the same or a similar topic, we were also talking about uh, uh, using your skills, uh, mad or otherwise, to assist the other players and assist the GM. Mm -hmm. um, so stepping up to help coach the newer players and to help as an assistant GM um, I know you, you like to use assistant GMs in your games just to help move things along. I like having somebody who's willing to fulfill the role. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't usually typically say, hey, you're going to be my assistant G um, GM, but Jerry's in most of my games now, and he's pretty much the unspoken, unofficial assistant GM in pretty much all my games. And that's just someone that's there to, hey, uh, you know, mechanically, like a little reminder of mechanics, or, hey, you know, that's not right. You know, I'll kind of like... Uh, um, a wanted rules lawyer, you know, but you know, without using that derogatory term, like he's not freelance mechanics <laughs> consultant. Yeah, he's not interrupting me in the middle of a thought to correct me on something I might be doing wrong. But if I'm unsure of something, he will double check on that for me, while so I can continue the game. And then when you know he's he's got the answer to me, he can you know, quietly, subtly to the side. Or when there's a uh, you know a, a pause in what's going on at the, the table, he can let me know the information that I might need. And, you know, th that way there's still a flow to the game and the whole thing doesn't have to stop and be abrupt while he's finding out, like, what needs to be rolled for a grapple check or something silly like that. There's a question about a spell and, oh, I've got the description right here for you to read. Yeah. I've already found it in in the index and now here mm -hmm. you go. Take a look at it. Because, I mean, D&D, &D, even fifth, you know, fifth edition's pretty, you know, it's... I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but it's kind of dumbed down from pre previous editions. You know, say streamlined. Yeah, streamlined a little bit. And again, I, I consider that, you know, I, I don't mean that to be derogatory in any way. I, I'm very, I love the system. You I really think should it's edit that out so that uh, we get that sponsorship money from Wizards. <laughs> I'm sure they're That's going to happen, right? You yeah. said that was going to yeah, happen? I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that's still waiting on getting in, paid in, here. in the works. Uh, you're not paying Ed yet? You're getting paid? <laughs> Wait, you're getting paid? <laughs> In no, <laughs> but you know that no, way. I'm you know, not. No, even in the simpler systems, you know, there's there's still a lot to know. So you're not going to know everything. You yeah. know, you, no matter how well read you are, you're not going to know everything all the time. 
you can't you know very few people have an encyclopedic knowledge of the you know page for page of the entire you know rule book but if someone does and they're not a douchebag maybe consider them as your as your assistant <laughs> gm but yeah so i mean it's just it's, it's nice having that resource at the table compliment. <laughs> i wasn't talking about you <laughs> That, that hypothetical person who has an encyclopedic knowledge and isn't a douchebag. So, and that's not only, you know, again, they can be, so you're, it's another way you're supporting the GM at the table, but it's also a way for you to help out players. Like, hey, what do, you know, hey, you know, they can kind of look over to you instead of, again, not having to interrupt the, the table. They don't have to stop the GM from what they're doing while they might be chatting, you know, discussing with the other side of the table. You can kind of lean over, hey, Jerry, um, I, I want to use this spell. Am I understanding the interpretation of how I can use this correctly? Okay, cool. Thanks. Now I know I can use that the way I wanted to use it, or I or I'm corrected on how I can use it. I didn't have to stop the GM from what he's doing, and we can move on with our lives and have a, a much better fluent uh, a game. And it's important to uh, help those new players learn the things that they did not know. Did not know. right. Um, so in game as well, we're also we're talking about working. With the story, going with the flow, taking the bait, hopping on the plot train, um, which is a is another one that, from your experience as a DM, you're going to know how frustrating it is when a player doesn't play yeah. along. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's different types of GMing styles. I think we've talked about it before. Sandbox versus railroad, that sort of thing. Yeah. You can go ahead and check that episode out to uh, better uh, descriptors on that. But if there's... You know, if your GM is saying, I am creating a sandbox, you guys have to be active in the world. Okay, then go do whatever you want. Figure out what the group wants to do. Go do it. But if the GM isn't, hasn't necessarily made that and is presenting a plot line, you know, you as another GM know, okay, well, that's what he has prepared. So if I can, I'm going to try to hook my character towards that. And if everyone else is going off on a tangent, maybe I'll try to say, hey, guys, we could go check this out. You know, try to sort of help them out a little bit to check it out, especially if with new GMs. You know, I remember being a new GM. I would only plan the thing that I had planned. If you went off the rails, uh, you know, you don't necessarily know what to do. OK, yeah. crap. What happens now? Hopefully, if you listen to this channel, you get some ideas on what you can do. You can just yeah. reflavor things. But, uh, um, you know, if if you are a GM but you're playing in a game, you can sort of help the storyline get on track or back on track just by role-playing your character and being willing to be a part of the game. Cause that's sort of the point anyway. Yeah. I think as, as, as a player, you should be willing to make uh, certain choices that are influenced by the fact of this is what's going to advance the game forward. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to give up all free will and the DM no. is making a decision for what you're doing, but it should be, you know, if, if they're hinting at something, well, take the hint and push the party towards it. Right. Um, you can also work as a function to help keep the party together. Mm -hmm. you know, no, guys, we should be working together mm -hmm. so that the DM doesn't have to come up with arbitrary reasons or try to force things to be right. together. Yeah, why would I join your group? I'm you like? Do you like money? Do I have to bribe you? Like, what, what what's going right. on? <laughs> Can't you just play the game? I thought we were all here to play a game. I'd actually kind of like to play more, like players where one of the other players is just like, "Why should I join you? 
uh, we'll hire you, we'll pay you. Is that good enough? <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people that are playing those those amoral loner characters can be motivated by money. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, actually, I think, uh, Jared, you know, I was in a game with you and that sort of happened. I was playing a very amoral character who didn't really want to join the group mm-hmm. and, and, and then sort of demanded pay to do it. And you're like, fine, pay. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> That's all it took. Yeah. Literally all it took. Yep. Um, now, th- there are some downsides to going into games as a GM, though. Um, definitely. Uh, you, you're going to lose sort of that aspect of control. Um, I know that that can be hard. You know, if you're used to controlling every situation, you have to fight controlling every situation. Right. Let things, you can certainly be there to help be that guiding hand. If the other players need it, if the other GM needs it, that's fine. You can be that guiding hand, but you, you don't have to be, and you shouldn't necessarily always be, but sometimes when things are going off the rails, yeah, okay. It's nice to be able to help put, put them back on there. But other times you have to know, this isn't your game. You can't control everything that's going on. in the Yeah. Game. You have to learn to let go. Yeah. And yeah. I, know, I know at times I've gone into other people's games and I'm like, I'm actually play- and actually intentionally playing a character whose personality is a little passive just so that I don't like, you know what? I'm going to step up and I'm going to be the boss and I'm going to lead everybody and I'm going to make this game go the way I want it to. Like I'm instead going to design my character so that that doesn't happen even accidentally. You know, and we'll let the game kind of go as it goes. Yeah, I I mean, depends on what the group needs or, you know, what you know the, the group is looking for or the GM's looking for. But I tend to make more combat-y kind of characters in when I'm playing because then I'm I don't have like a lot of responsibility. Like, OK, there's a combat. I'll help the party not die. Right. And you go up and the, you hit the thing. Yeah, I go up. I hit the thing. I'm here. I'm supporting you. If you need me, I'm right here. You know, you know, as a player or, you know, as you know, for some help, but I'm not trying to steal the spotlight from any role playing. I'm not trying to steal the spotlight from any, you know, um, puzzles or, or, or riddles or any problem solving stuff. Right. I'm here to help make sure the party doesn't die. And you guys try to like, you know, just basically I'm trying to just avoid the spotlight in general, even like, in comp like uh, in the in the past. Unfortunately, I stole st- spotlights a bit in combat. Uh, now I've I've learned from some mistakes, you know, you know, in in more recent years I try to stay away from the spotlight in combat for the most part, um, or or try to avoid it, sidestep it. Sometimes when you make a combat character, I mean that's what you're good at, right? So right, yeah, you kind of you you veer towards the spotlight, you know, in combat. But combat, sh- you know, typically isn't the only thing you're doing all the time. You know, it's usually like a, you know a third of the session and then you're done. So uh, so. We also want to cover, you know, talking a little bit about coming to the game and being at the game a little bit with before. After game is also important as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, as an experienced DM, provide feedback. Uh, if it's a newer DM, maybe a little bit of coaching. You do want to be careful about how you do this because some people do have egos and they can be a little fragile. But, you know, just getting getting good, intelligent, authentic feedback. Here's how the game worked. Here's what I liked. Yep. Here's what I would would have liked to see maybe done a little differently. Um, I would say kind of go with that the that belief of like there's nothing that they did that was wrong. Right. It was just different from how you would do it or different from what you were expecting. Yeah. And if they want coaching, you know, give it to them. If yeah. they want, you know, a hint, give it to them. You might end up in a position where you are not you're in a group with other experienced players and experienced GMs. So you don't have to do any of that. You can just play the damn game. 
And even though they're when if you're used to GMing and then you go to play, there are definitely some drawbacks. Like you have to let everything go. You know, you can't try to control every situation, those sorts of things. There is that benefit of, man, I just get to play. Yeah. yeah. I just, just get to play the game. Just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. And plus, even, even when I was running a game, because you and I, Ed and I were carpooling um, for yeah. the game on the drive home, almost every session to be like, so what'd you think of? the game you know and sometimes you'd be like hey i had a lot of fun and sometimes you'd be like well it seemed a little dry um i had good sessions i had bad sessions and i got the feedback and you know i tried to incorporate that and like okay this is what people are liking this mm-hmm. is what they're want to see less of and well you learn from your mistakes not from your successes so and the game got better as it went on yes i agree yeah. 30 um, so there is one last point that we want that we have on the list to, to bring up for uh, DM experience, enhancing the your experience as a player, um, and that is the ability to really appreciate the work that the DM has put in and the time they've spent, yeah. and to share that appreciation, even if it's just as simple as "Hey, man, thanks for running the game." You actually understand what they may have gone through, and if something is awesome, tell them. If you really enjoyed something, tell them. Mm-hmm. You don't need to point out, like, dude, you could have done this a lot better. But anything they did good, let them know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as a GM, you know how much time and effort you put into your own games. You know, in some cases, it'll be obvious if the GM you're playing for does the same thing. Yeah. Like, okay, I've been in I've been in games where it's obvious the GM doesn't really prep much. I've been in other games where it's obvious they prep a lot. So... But either way, you know, still appreciate the fact that they are they've put some thought into it. They're running a game for you. They they in they want to they're offering you a situation where you can play. Yeah, they're making the effort. Exactly. That exactly. There's an effort that they're making. So that's I mean, that's worth appreciating. Plus the appreciation feels good. I had I had one D&D session where afterwards was a person who had been playing for many years with a variety of DMs said to me like, "Hey, that was that was probably the best encounter I've ever played." I like felt awesome. You know, it was it was a couple of years ago and it's, you know, I still bring it up because I'm like, hey, you know, we put this together and it was an awesome encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, people want to feel like they're not wasting their time. I mean, even if you know that everyone's enjoying themselves, it's just still it's still nice to hear them them care enough to vocalize that and to share with you like what they really are enjoying. You know, you mean like you, you know, like it said, you're like they're putting time into this. Well, you know, the the t- time might vary GM to GM, session to session, but like still, they're taking time out of their lives to plan this game and having you over or going over to your place or whatever the situation is for hosting. But they're taking time out of their lives to prep the game, to run the game, and you know, you want to know that people are, you know, even if it's just to a small degree, <laughs> appreciative of that fact. You know, you know, again, you don't have to praise them every single episode, you know, every single episode, every single session. But <laughs> right. you know, you know, occasionally it's nice to hear feedback. You know, it's good. It's you know, it's nice to look around the table and see people smiling and enjoying themselves. But it's nice to actually hear it vocalized from time to time. Just a little affirmation. All right. So we're gonna kind of wrap it up there, um, unless anybody has any burning final thoughts to. And in. Um, so it would definitely, you know, if you're spending time as a player, use the experience you already have to make that a little bit better. Have fun with the game. 
If you have any questions or comments or want to tell stories of how changing to the other side of the table kind of affected your views a little bit, definitely feel free to uh, drop us a line. We're available on Twitter at GMS Studios. We are on Facebook for you to like, comment, and subscribe. You can sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash Studio, in order to uh, support us and get access to some early exclusive and uh, early access items. Uh, we are here every week with a new episode, and we are going to wrap it up for now. We will give you a sneak pre- peek at next week when we're going to be talking about using your experience as a player once you get back to the DM seat, doing kind of the flip side of what we did today. Um, so check that out, and we'll see you next time we're in the studio. <laughs>